Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we're going to Calgary, Canada to talk to Steve, Stephen Messler, co-founder, president, and CEO of Classroom Champions. So welcome, Stephen. Tell us about your academic background. Uh, thank you for having me, Peter. Uh, as I sit here in Calgary, in our, in our snowy Calgary today, I'm excited to be here. Um, well, academically for myself, um, my university degree is from the University of Florida, uh, down in Gainesville, Florida. And um, my, um, you know, everything before that was up in Buffalo, New York, just across, right across the river from Canada and not too far from where you're sitting right now. Uh, at a place called City Honors High School, which is actually one of the one of the preeminent public high schools in the country, actually. So, university, what courses did you take, or what was your program? Uh, I was in the College of Health and Human Performance, so my my focus was exercise science and physical education, um, and, and graduated with honors um, from there back in two thousand to date myself just a little bit. Um, and you know, the thing, the parts of that that I really enjoyed were. Um, I mean, A is an athlete, so I was a track athlete while I was there on scholarship. I was a national champion high school athlete, and I was a decathlete, so a jack of all trades and master of none as I was navigating the the, the athletic ranks. Um, so for me, it, you know, my university career and my college career was really um, about getting to learn about the things that I was passionate about and loved. And um, so being able to dive into anatomy and physiology and exercise physiology was fascinating considering I'd been in sport for so long. And all of a sudden now I started understanding what was happening inside my body as I was competing um, and moving forward and then moving on to the education side is how, then, then how do you, how do you transfer that knowledge and how do you, um, you know, how do you look at it from a frame of, of all of us want to be on this planet you know, for as long as we can and be healthy and happy as long as we can. And ultimately, our bodies um, are the vessel for us to do all of those things. So how do you transfer that knowledge to, to kids or youth or to adults um, through education? So for me, those were those those things all came together uh, for my university career. Okay. Your co-founder has a little bit of education, too. Can you talk about that? Yes, I, I am the least educated in my family, and that includes my my wife and my sister, um, and my parents as well. Um, yeah, my co-founder, Dr. Lee Parisi, she has her undergraduate degree from the University of Pennsylvania um, in sociology, and she got her master's in education at Pace while she was uh, something called the New York City Teachers Program, uh, where she would teach. Uh, she was teaching at a school in Brooklyn, at an elementary school in Brooklyn, while she was getting her master's, and then she realized after two or three years of teaching that there was parts of the system that she really thought she could influence and help more in the world than by being in the classroom as a teacher with kids. So she went ahead and got her PhD um, at Northwestern University, which is, um, you know, very well known institution for education on that side of things. And then she um, has been at ever since she graduated in early 2010s, she's been at a company called MDRC, a nonprofit based out of New York City, which is, um, you know, one of the US's like kind of foremost research and policy organizations in the country they 
you know, she is a research associate there as well as um, on the development side um, as well. She's quite the, she's a, like a wonderful personality and social person. So when you get a, a you know, a self-described in her words, nerd that can also go and talk football and those other things, they automatically kind of funnel you into the development, fun development area as well. So she, she has um, two feet on that side and, and that would behoove me to also mention um, my wife who also helped us build the organization, didn't found it with us, but helped us build it and get it off its feet. Um, who has her degree in psychology, her undergraduate and graduate degrees um, in psychology, um, and then got her uh, doctorate and postdoc in management um, from University of Calgary and uh, University of, of uh, Alberta as well. So yes, I'm surrounded by women who like their you know <laughs> their their degrees stack up uh, slightly higher than slightly higher than mine. So a lot of expectations for your child. Yeah. Well, I mean, I get to lower those. I get to keep those expectations low, right? The average, if we could keep the average between, we'll be okay. <laughs> so after your uh, education, where did you work? Um, well, I went straight from University of Florida. I actually went straight to being a bobsledder. So I, my job was to push sleds, run for five seconds, and sit down for a minute and slide down a mountain going 90 miles an hour or 150 kilometers an hour. Uh, and I did that for the better part of a decade. So from, I graduated in 2000 <clears throat> from University of Florida and started training right away. And then uh, spent from 2000 to 2010 um, training and competing for the U.S. National and Olympic bobsled teams. Uh, moved to Calgary in 2003 to train. Um, and, and while I was, while I was here, you know, it took some, you know, worked, um, you know, worked as a trainer of, you know, youth sport and, um, you know, speed development for kids and did other things. But generally it was a full-time job training and competing for 10 years wow. okay so let's get around to classroom champions mm -hmm. how did you come up with the name and what's the purpose of the organization it's a it's a great question it had the name originally when we were starting it and and i'll i'll go back and um tell a little about what where it came from so the, the organization itself, which will get us to the naming of the organization, um, but the organization itself came from the, 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 the concept that uh, we, whether it's an athlete or whether they're you know, entertainers or celebrities or politicians or business people, people who are successful for generations, the way that they go into schools and communicate with kids is they'll go in, they'll give a talk, um, kids will ask questions, maybe they'll take some pictures, and then that'll be it. That person will leave and they'll never see them again. Um, yes, there are some mentorship programs that are there, but those are you know difficult to administer and, and heavy weights for the schools. So that's generally been, and people don't have time, right? Um, successful people in the midst of their careers are, you know, don't have time to go in and out of schools all the time. And that's the way it's been done for centuries. And um, I thought we could do better. As I'm sitting here in my Calgary house um, in Northwest Calgary, I can see where my old training residence property used to be. You know, it's been built over by a, a much nicer place now that we definitely would not have been deserved when I was bobsledding. Um, but I was on a conversation, having a conversation with my sister at the time who was in the midst of getting her doctorate and we were going into my third Olympic games and I was living the life that the 10 year old kid in this would have just thought was amazing. Um, you know, we were the kids who went to the Atlanta Olympics in 1996 as teenagers chasing around trying to take pictures with Olympians. So the fact that I was a two time Olympian at the time going into my third Olympics, I was favored was the thing that we just dreamt of. And we wanted to share that with kids. And at the same time, I was tired of the school visits. I was tired of going in giving a talk and saying, if one or two kids listened, it's worth my time, like people had done for centuries. There's nothing else I do in my life. There's nothing else people 
who are at the top of their game do that they do just in case there might happen to be possibly an outcome? No, they, they do things deliberately. They, they put their time and energy and focus into places where they know they can make a difference. And yet these school visits were, were not that for anybody. And I was a bit of a tech geek. So make a long story short, we created in essence a 21st century pen pals. We communicated with kids and in schools across North America via video. Um, we Skyped at the time with them um, from the Whistler Olympic Village and Vancouver Olympic Villages. And then I went and visited those kids and it was a whole different experience. They knew me. I had shown them that I was invested in them. They felt connected to me. And ultimately, kids in poverty and kids in challenged circumstances, whether they're on reserve uh, in First Nations communities here in Calgary or here in Canada, or whether they are in urban, you know, plight areas in America or everywhere in between or rural communities across the continent, um, you know, kids, kids learn from the people they trust. Those people are their parents. Those people are their, you know, family members. Those people are their teachers. And those people are their mentors. And we had the ability through technology to create those relationships via technology, which you know, before that was unheard of, you know, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, um, uh, you know, it would take, it would take three satellite trucks, cables, you know, as big as our heads and outer space to make that connection happen. And now all you need to do is pick up a phone. So that's how the organization was born. We wanted to give kids, we wanted to show kids. It wasn't just two and a half weeks of glory on television. There was a process and that process is messy. And there are skills that you can learn Working hard isn't an innate ability. It's not a genetically, it's not a genetic trait. There's not a gene for it. Uh, it's a skill you learn. Setting goals is a skill you learn. Um, persevering is a skill that you learn. You can develop and practice that skill. And we want to share that with kids. So that's how we came up with the name Classroom Champions is we had champions and athletes. We had hundreds of athletes ever, ever since that, that first time in 20, 2009, 2010 volunteer to teach kids and mentor kids virtually scaled where one athlete is connected to multiple classrooms, grade level teams, schools across the continent, across their home country. And they're on a monthly basis teaching kids goal setting, feedback, perseverance, leadership, the things that are really hard to teach, things that are really hard to conceptualize of and that we've never really taught in schools. It was always a black box. So we wanted to champion those kinds of things in the classroom. And that's where the name Classroom Champions came from was being able to have champions that are uh, out there doing the things, not the gray-haired has-beens like me, um, who are telling their old stories, which is great, but ultimately adults have the metacognitive ability to listen to an adult, hear what I'm saying, and take that into their lives and make changes. Kids don't have that ability yet. They haven't developed those skills. So the ability to follow somebody through the year and have repetitive lessons happening and create a relationship really cements it. And we do that in schools. And it's been just amazing to see. So obviously, the most important thing is partnerships. So talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting as we started the organization um, early on, I, I didn't get that. Admittedly, I didn't understand that partnerships were the way. And yes, we automatically were partnering with teachers and schools and principals and school districts. That's a clear partnership. <clears throat> we are a nonprofit. We are a charity in Canada. We are a 501c3 nonprofit in America. Um, we partner with schools. That is a clear partnership that happens. Um, but ultimately, we it's really hard for a nonprofit early on to partner because ultimately then you have to 
handle different stakeholders and and deal with different people's priorities and you're still figuring out what you are and what you're going to do um but a huge shift in mindset happened for me luckily very early on um you know i've had the good fortune because of my olympic experience to meet all kinds of amazing leaders um and there was a woman who was the CMO of um, the U.S. Olympic Committee back before I was on the board of directors um, who agreed to just sit down and look at what we were doing. And she asked me, Peter, the first thing she asked me was, who are you partnered with? I said, well, what do you mean? We're, we're who we are. This is who we are. Uh, you know, I guess we partnered with schools, but like, what do you mean? She said, if you're going to make it anywhere, you've got to find the like-minded organizations, whether they're for-profit companies, nonprofit companies, whatever it is, to both gain resources and funds, but also amplify the work that you're doing, reach further, reach deeper, um, think differently. So until you have a broader partnership network, um, you know, I, I, I like, I, I don't really think I'm going to be able to talk to you. So as, so that really stuck with me, and it really forced me to look around. And say, okay, who's this? Who's this mean? And 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 over time, we've created some amazing partnerships. We've created some partnerships that have fallen flat. Um, we have created some partnerships that you know took way more time than they needed to take because neither of us really knew what we were trying to do. We just knew we needed a partner. Um, and then we've had other partnerships that have like been really simple and turnkey and have like helped us reach millions of kids. One of my favorite partnerships that we've gotten involved in is, you know, happened because we were, all of us were just trying to solve each other's problems. Um, and a woman named Jenny, Jenny Thompson, who works at NBC, came to me once we were at a, I was in Colorado Springs um, at a Olympic, U.S. Olympic Committee board meeting at the time. It was called the U.S. Olympic Committee. Today, it's called the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. And that's a, a separate a separate conversation, Peter. Which is, I I'm just ending my eight years as a board as a member of the board of directors as an athlete representative for the USOPC. So I'm sitting in Colorado Springs, and Jenny walks up to me. And she's like, she knows Classroom Champions. She's a big fan of Classroom Champions from like before you know we met we met each other before I was on the board even. Um, but she's a big fan. She's like, you know, it was going into the it was maybe about a year and a half before the Tokyo Olympics were supposed to be in 2020, so pre pandemic. And she says, you know, I really want us to do something at NBC this year that schools will really use, not just something that is fluff or surface level, something schools can really use. And I said, you know, I, I think we can help you there. I think we can help you there. Like we understand how to take the athlete mindset, the athlete voice and and distill that into something that is useful for teachers and for schools and education that creates outcomes for their kids. But I also said, you know what, like, we don't have the reach. You guys are NBC. We're, we're this little nonprofit classroom champions. Like we don't have, like, we don't have your, your reach. Um, you know, at the time, at that time, maybe we were working with 10,000 kids um, on a monthly basis, on a regular basis. Um, you know, today we're working with hundreds of thousands across many different programs. <clears throat> but at the time, we weren't that organization. Um, and we're still not an NBC level, you know, reaching across every single home in America. But I said, you know, I know somebody that that does have that kind of reach. Let me reach out to them. So I called my friend Sam, um, who's the founder and CEO over at class, a company called Class Dojo, which is an ed tech company that, um, in essence, uh, is an app for parent and teacher communication as well as behavioral things happening in schools. <clears throat> so I called Sam and said, "Hey, NBC wants to do some really neat stuff going into Tokyo. We can help bring that together and get the athletes and create help create the content. But we need to place to put this." Can you guys want to get involved? He said, that sounds great. 
and eventually we created this thing that <clears throat> that down the line was called your champion mindset and you can go to your champion mindset.com still today that um, is an ongoing partnership with now it's beyond class dojo it is into we've brought in epic which is this reading company that reaches 50 million people um, and kids and youth and teachers across the world um, to go noodle to brain pop these really amazing companies that do different things in education so we were able to partner with all of these companies and NBC. We were able to use NBC Olympic footage and content to, to make the content come alive because that is valuable content. You can't, um, you know, you and I couldn't just air Olympic content. We would need the COC's permission. We need CBC's. We need NBC. We need USOPC's. But NBC can do all these things. So we were able to sit in the middle of it all, bring together the largest broadcaster in the world for Olympic sports, bring together the largest education technology companies across all of education who together reach 100 million people. And we're able to create a program that kids get to learn from athletes who are about to go to the Olympics, Alice and Felix, to April Ross in the summer side, to Dan Knossen, uh, to, um, you know, to uh, Chris Mazder on the winter side, Chris Mazder's Olympic defending Olympic silver medal in Bluge. You know, Dan Knossen is a three-time Paralympian who was a Navy SEAL who lost his legs in Afghanistan, who's come back and got two degrees at Harvard. Those are the kind of people we want teaching our kids about perseverance. Um, and we were able to create this partnership that reached tens of millions of kids, helped schools and parents understand that these athletes are the kinds of role models, that the best of these athletes are the kinds of role models, and they're talking about the kinds of topics that we want our kids to learn. So... That is, um, you know, to me, one of the most powerful partnerships, probably the most powerful partnership we put in place. And that, Peter, doesn't even go into the work we do with the NHL and the Willie O'Ree project to highlight that and have Justin, you know, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on to help launch that. It doesn't talk about the, the great work we did with Kate Morehouse and her education and community team over the Canadian Olympic Committee and Nicole over the Canadian Paralympic Committee to, to do work to, to have athletes sitting in Korea uh, and Tokyo uh, and Beijing, um, you know, do live chats with kids back in Canada so that kids in Canada got to share with Kaylee Humphreys, her Olympic medal in 2018. Um, you know, it was two in the morning for these athletes sitting at Can Team Canada House, but it was noon, in noon on the East Coast in Canada. And how cool was that? I mean, think about it. That was like, you know, equivalent to, um, you know, Chris up in the space station doing his chat with kids across Canada. That was our, you know, our, you know, Team Canada Olympians sitting over in, in Korea. So you, you have the ability, if you can be humble enough to realize that, be proud enough to understand what you're good at, be humble enough to understand what you're not good at, and go find the folks who are good at the stuff you're not good at. Absolutely. So having said that, looking three years from today, what's the organization going to look like? It's a really good question. Um, we have a roadmap for that. Uh, it's our strategic plan that actually is 2022 to 2025. So we're, we just launched it this past fall. Um, and there's a few things for, for what I'm hoping. So this organization has been largely driven by sponsors and donors over the last decade plus. Um, there's, a, there's always going to be a ceiling, to, you know, to, a relative ceiling to those kinds of things. But the work that we're doing is more and more needed in schools, like you know, being proactive in our mental health approach, 
Um, you know, I'll give you an example, like Alberta, the province of Alberta here just put $42 million in and doubled it. So about $84 million into mental health um, in the education system, K-12 education system here, which is fantastic. With, with the one caveat that is, it's mainly all reactive work. And, you know, look, we're sitting here in December of 2022. There's a lot of reactive work that's needed in our schools. There's a lot of trauma that, um, you know, there's a lot of ACE scores, adverse, you know, adverse childhood events that are happening where the more adverse childhood events that uh, a human has, the more likely they are to have all kinds of other issues um, moving forward. And those things accumulate. That could be watching mom and dad get into a physical altercation. That could be any other domestic violence. That could be anything else that's, that, that that's an instance of trauma. All kids have gone through an instance of trauma now through the pandemic. I mean, those were, you know, those, that, those are, these are a big, big thing. And we don't know what's going to happen when an entire generation experiences this kind of trauma. So we need to mitigate it. But on the other side of it, we need also need to get ahead of it because if we're only reacting, then, uh, then $80 million turns into $160 million turns into $320 million and so on. If we're not doing some upstream work to address the problem. So um, for Classroom Champions, we've been able to partner with school districts um, across the U.S. and across Canada with, with, you know, for, with First Nations communities. And we've seen academic improvements. We've seen social-emotional improvements in our research, um, statistically significant improvements in, in math and reading scores to you know, attendance improvements to decreases in bullying. But what's been really, really interesting is a school district down in Florida called Monroe County, which is like, um, it is... I mean, it's like where we all want a vacation, right? It's the Keys. It's the Florida Keys. It's the South. It's this one of the southernmost counties in Florida, um, and they've been doing mental health research. And um, their their director of um, of social emotional learning is just this amazing, this amazing, amazing woman, who is doing her um, named Erin Williams, who's doing her uh, some of her doctorate work actually, and using research for the mentorship plus program that we offer for classroom champions, which is a which is a high touch um, kind of uh, year long. A virtual mentorship relationship with with a competing athlete and what they saw what they're seeing is a double digit increase in moving kids up levels from tier three to tier two tier two to two one from a mental health aspect which i, I we would not have predicted per se um, because we're not attacking mental health from a we do use some trauma-informed learning in our curriculum but ultimately we're not attacking it from a from a fix this mental health issue and move it forward but what we are doing is giving kids the opportunity to understand that even people who are out there doing these amazing things uh, go through hard times and they struggle. And then they, then they have tools of how they mitigate those things and move them forward. So all of a sudden, if you can get ahead of it with kids and be proactive. So um, our goal is that because these things are being more um, understood that schools are responsible for this as well, they should be. Um, as uh, artificial intelligence is moving more and more forward that more of the jobs of the future. McKinsey did this amazing study that showed the 2030 workforce, the two biggest needs in the 2030 workforce, and the biggest deltas of where we need to improve on. Number one is digital skills. Uh, and number two is social emotional skills. Because AI is doing it, gonna be doing all the other knowledge gains and all the other things, but what it can do is help us inter, you know, interact with each other. So, <clears throat> As schools build that up, I want to see this organization leaning more and more into, um, you know, provincial and federal, you know, dollars, less donor and sponsor, but more school system dollars, because we can, if we can help, if we're doing our jobs well, and we can help improve grades, attendance, and behavior, we can improve social skills, emotional skills, such as from goal setting to communication, to empathy, to perseverance. Um, and then we're mitigating mental health issues. 
then we should be able to be doing a good enough job that that money makes sense to be coming from school districts, school divisions, um, parent-teacher associations, and government. And in the U.S., state, local, state, and federal dollars, then sponsors and donors. Um, how are we going to get there, though? That's a question. Um, you have to build awareness. You have to make sure that everybody's aware that you can do these things, that you have the ability to scale. Um, we have athletes who are sitting here waiting, dying to to help, um, which is great. Uh, we have a woman named Melissa Bishop, who's you know over in Ontario in your world, neck of the woods, um, who was a three-time Olympian for Canada in 800 meters. And Melissa works with all of our athletes. Melissa's amazing. Um, and Alex, who's on her team as well, who works with the athletes on a day-to-day basis, and, and Melissa works with them um, to bring them in. And then we're working with industry here in Calgary to say, look, we all believe um, from a, you know both First Nations and Métis communities as well as our, you know, the rest of our communities, this kind of thing is really needed. So we're working with um, with the energy industry here, being led by an amazing woman named Jerry Greenall, the CFO at Spartan Delta, who recognized, hey, look, the industry and energy industry out west here is really, really um, philanthropic and supportive of its communities. And I will say that um, wherever you stand on the politics of these things, there's absolutely no debating that these companies invest in their communities and look, they want these communities to be strong and thriving and healthy because they have 30, 40, 50 year investments. And the people who go to school in these communities 10 years from now will be working for them. And they wanna have healthy and wonderful places for their people to move to, to go to. So they do a really good job lifting these communities up. Um, not only when the good times are here, but actually during the, you know when, when times weren't as good. So we're working with the industry, Peter, to, to have a big push now so that three to four years from now, the dollars are coming from someplace else. And you know that's that's my goal is I don't want this organization to have to fundraise. I want to create a sustainable solution, a sustainable path, so that we are and this organization is self-sufficient. And then we can work with sponsors and donors to go into new communities or do really extra amazing things for teachers and kids and athletes. Steve, we could uh, talk all morning and probably into the afternoon because I haven't even touched on what I'm doing and. I know. I like that's. You've been asking such great questions, and I've been digging in, and I want to hear. No, that's that's the purpose. But we'll we'll talk about that once we finish here. So, what is the website that people should reach out to to get more information? Uh, It's a great question. So, classroomchampions.org is a great place for people to go. Um, They can also ultimately, you know, to reach me individually. you know, I also like always welcome people to just reach out to me. I mean, Twitter is a great place at Steve Messler and S-T-E-V-E-M-E-S-L-E-R is a great, great place. My DMs are open on there. It's usually easier for both you and I than an email quite often um, or smessler at classroomchampions.org. But classroomchampions.org is the best place to go um, and, and understand what we're doing and then reach out to our education team if this is something that you want to bring in to your school, to your classroom, to your district, to your school division. Um, or if you're a company that's interested in bringing this to a region, we are really, really you know, good at working with companies and then and reaching out to local schools as well. 